This week on Ultra 64, no, you're not dreaming. It's a new Nintendo 64 game. We played 40 Winks. Is it a total snooze or is it a dream or is it a nightmare? That's right, the ghost of Gene Shallot is writing our intros now. Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Every week we get together and we play a randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 library and we play it and we talk about it and we're going to keep going until we've played them all. And that's becoming an increasingly uh, mobile target because they keep releasing new games for the system, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, every uh, 10 years or so. Yeah, one of which we're going to talk about today. My name is Steve Guntley. I am Woody Siskowski, and elevated brain activity is boring. <laughs> It really is. It's a good thing this game kind of tunes a lot of that out. Yeah, Yeah, it's uh, true. So we're playing 40 Winks, and uh, if you're a longtime Nintendo 64 fan, you're probably scratching your heads right now and thinking, what the fuck is 40 Winks? (laughs) Well, 40 Winks is a new Nintendo 64 game, um, and we're going to go into a little bit of the history of exactly how that came about. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, let's, let's just jump into do this. That, do that right now. We'll do that now. <laughs> I, I, I like, I like the intro to like, we're going to go into this right now. Well, I wanted to build in some time for nonsense in case there was a need for nonsense. There's never a need for nonsense on oh, this show. We're, we're, very, we're all about, was this business time here? We're straight down the line. Yeah. yeah. I'm just drinking well, my weird, like kind of rednecky beer that yeah. somebody left at my house. We got our business socks on. That means it's business time. <laughs> oh Yeah. Oh my goodness. They need a third season of that show. I wish. Okay. So yeah, 40 Winks. Um, Let's go into this. This was released November 2018. (laughs) Developed by Eurocom, published by Pico Interactive, and also available on PlayStation. All right, so... But the play... Yeah, PlayStation availability is a little different. Uh, So this it's a strange thing for us to be talking about because, like... We're a retro gaming podcast. We don't get a lot of the chance to talk about new games unless it's a side tangent about Red Dead Redemption again or something. Uh, but <laughs> to be the recurring theme, yeah. Normally, normally we wouldn't even devote a whole episode to like what is kind of essentially a bootleg. Uh, yeah, like true. it's kind of like a homebrew, you know. But it, I think this is one of those times where we need to make an exception because there was kind of a lot of like, or maybe not a lot relatively. Like a lot a in, the, in the small world. Yeah, yeah, CNN was all over There's it. There's a lot of niche media <laughs> about this game. And, Fox uh, News and MSNBC was round the clock, 24 hours coverage. <laughs> We're at the 40 Look, Winks here tracker. When, <laughs> when you've got a 24-7 news cycle, you need to plumb the depths and you really, it's I mean, I, I read all these think pieces about this game and like they were all counterintuitive. <laughs> and yeah, anyway. So, all right, let's go into a little history here. So, 40 Winks was initially released on the PlayStation on November 14, 1999, also developed by Eurocom, and that one was published by GT Interactive. So, it was called Rough and Tumble over in the UK, and it was a bit of a buzzy game at the time. Uh, the PlayStation didn't really have a strong market for 3D platformers. Right, so just um, to give you the quickest the quickest synopsis gameplay-wise, mm. think... I mean, aside from this particular cart being a bootleg, the sort of whole game has a very bootleg feel about it. Just think Banjo-Kazooie 
it's and very, you figured out what this game looks like and plays like. It's Kazooie-esque in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's... it's uh, Kazooie, yeah, like, Kazoo- I like that as an adjective. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, uh, PlayStation didn't really have a lot of, like, great 3D platforms at the time. I think they were... They'd, uh, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, and then not a really whole lot of, like, big flagship titles. So, And those kind of have their own sort of different feel to the N64 ones. Those tend to be a little more linear and sort of more action-based. I was thinking about Crash I, last week after we talked about Mario, because, like, yeah, technically that did, before it came out before Mario, and it's, like, a 3D platform, but it's also, like, you're confined to, t- like, hallways. Yeah. Like, Crash is an entirely hallway-based game. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't really have that same open It definitely sense. still feels like a 2D <coughs> platformer, just with sort of an extra yeah, dimension little, to look in. Little the extra. gameplay doesn't change much. Yeah, and those games are fine. Yeah. But, yeah, they're, they're all right. Um, yeah, but uh, so this this game had a very distinctive kind of cartoony visuals, and it, it made it kind of a standout title in the early going when you saw the first videos of it you're like oh shit what is this game well especially for playstation you know Mm -hmm. when it's got a lot of games like that are look dark and blocky yeah like siphon filter or something like that this game has a little more color and sort of rounded edge yeah Yeah, it's it's a very curvy game real games have curves you guys (laughs) uh so gt felt good enough about the game's prospects that they ordered a nintendo 64 port to be released within a few months of the playstation version and uh, the the PlayStation cover art, like the cover art of the PlayStation disc, actually has a pull quote from a Nintendo magazine. It just says, "Move over Mario," courtesy of Nintendo Official Magazine. So you now, know, what they, was Nintendo? I guess that was a UK magazine, right? Nintendo Official Magazine. Yeah, I believe it was. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Nintendo Official Magazine actually published a review of the N64 version of this game, which is what which that never got, got released. From. So, wait, now I'm curious. Was so was Nintendo Official Magazine and Nintendo Power both in the UK, or was Nintendo Power the US one, and then I think, Nintendo oh, no, Official Magazine was in the UK? I think they were both. I'm pretty sure Nintendo Power was in the UK as well, but correct me if I'm wrong on that, UK listeners. How come really we know. never got Official Nintendo Magazine? Because it sounds like rubbish, if I could use the parlance <laughs> of our UK brethren. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Bullocks. It's a bunch of bullocks. Maybe it's because it initialized. It, its initial is nom, M N O M. So people they didn't want us to eat it. I don't know. <laughs> I have no good explanation. <laughs> okay, for fair this. enough. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, despite some aggressive early marketing, the game kind of came and went without much notice. Reviews were mediocre, sales were poor, and uh, this left GT with a problem. So do they try and recoup their losses with the N sixty four port, which at this point was all but finished? Or should they just cancel the game altogether? And luckily for them, Infogram answered that for them. Uh, The French development houses we've discussed in previous episodes, they were making a bid to be a major player on the worldwide scene, and they'd started acquiring small studios to help churn out some games. GT was one of those studios, and Infogram didn't really have much interest in releasing this game. Uh, And it's worth noting that, like, it's expensive to produce games for the N64. That's why a lot of mm-hmm. people didn't really develop for it. It's much cheaper to develop a PlayStation disc than an N64 cartridge. It is odd, based on a lot of the Infogram games that we have played, that they chose to release those yeah. and decided, ah, uh, 40 Winks, not up to the high-quality yes. standards of Star Infogram. Starshot, fine. Yeah. Let that one go. Space Circus, we're all about that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they... Uh, they, they Decided to pull the plug on the port, and then they shut down GT, and that's kind of it. And then a few years later, uh, Infogram was absorbed into Atari, and uh, that, that and Atari kind of... went down. It was sort of just like these um, animals eating the smaller animals, and then sort of <laughs> just getting who, who absorbed yeah. Atari eventually? You know? Oh, I don't even know. Actually, okay. I forget. I no, maybe Atari is still its own company. 
But I think they're like a subsidiary of something okay. now. Like, yeah, but I, I think, I'm not sure exactly. You know that Atari is like planning to release some kind of weird home console? I've with... been hearing that for a while. Yeah. I don't know if it's ever actually going to happen. Same with like the, the Valve console oh, that they were yeah. going to release a while or the Steam box or whatever it was. Like, I don't know if those are actually going to happen at this point. I feel like people put effort into them and then think, you know what? There's no point to this product. I, I think enough people have just been burned by like consoles like i don't know like yeah. it, it's a really risky prospect to get into ask 3do ask uh, uh hudson with their turbo graphics. that's sega ask sega right. yeah you know sega was a major player but still it's like a risky prospect so it's kind of the xbox is kind of a miraculous uh exception to the rule that they were able to crack into that field uh, but i mean that is microsoft they so they it's certainly microsoft. have the, the bat the, they're the hardly underdogs <laughs> So this left the developers with a completed game on their hands and nowhere for it to go. So uh, a ROM of the port started making the rounds through some of the homebrew circles um, until 2017 when it was acquired by Pico Interactive. Uh, they actually acquired a couple of lapsed infogram properties, including um, Glover 2, which we may see some point. I'm sure, I, I would not be surprised yeah. if we're going to see a Glover 2 because that one, if I recall from our Glover episode... That one also, the sequel was done. It was ready to go, and they just pulled the plug on it. Well, and that might be nice in the sense that I don't think Glover 2 exists. Like, there's Mm. not a PlayStation version of that. No, 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 no. It wouldn't exist anywhere else, yeah. Uh, So Pico Interactive is a small company based out of San Antonio, and it specializes in kind of marginal releases for canceled bootleg or independent (laughs) games. Uh, And they decided to put forth 40 Winks on N64 as their first Kickstarter project. So the Kickstarter for this game launched in February of 2018 with a modest goal of $20,000. The goal was kept small compared to other games because Pico didn't need to do any development on this. It was done. They just need to package it and sell it. They had already bought the license for it, right? Yeah. Is that what happened? And so Mm -hmm. they just needed to figure out they need money for packaging. They need money to sort of flash the ROM onto a Nintendo 64 cart and make sure that's all compatible. And I guess for the actual plastic and, you know, printing for the card and label. But. Exactly, yeah. And and that's that's pretty much $20,000, but they had a couple of stretch goals, um, which is good because the Kickstarter wound up doubling its goal on its first day. It ultimately pulled in more than $130,000, which is nothing to sniff at. Um, so why was this so popular all of a sudden? Like, I'm really curious. Like, my speculation... I don't know, because, like, N64 does not have a shortage of this type of game. We have a lot, a lot of mediocre platformers. And this is not, like, some secret hidden treasure that people have been looking for for a long time. This is not, like, Secret of Mana 2 getting an official release or something like that. No, this is a game, if if you want to play 40 Winks, it's pretty accessible. You can buy it on eBay. I I think the prices I was looking at was anywhere between $10 and $20. And the PlayStation version... You you said you were comparing uh, cutscenes. Yeah, I was looking at cutscenes on uh, uh, YouTube, and the cutscenes in the N sixty four version look quite good, but they look way better on PlayStation. They're, they've got like shading, and they've got like really cool light effects, and uh, it looks really nice. And their lips move in time with the words being said, which you can't really say for the N sixty four version. I think there's just I think there's probably a large group of people. Um, like you, who are, would be completionists for the system, and yeah. this game kind of triggers that OCD of like, I don't, I still have everything, but I don't really have everything, right? Because exactly. this is an official, uh, sort of an official release. I'm going to miss. I mean, this is it is weird because this is not an officially licensed Nintendo game. No, um, there's no seal of quality or anything like it. But they did a decent job in terms of making it 
look okay. There's actually, we just posted a video yes. on YouTube. Search for uh, Ultra 64 40 Winks Unboxing. You'll probably mm-hmm. see us there, and you can take a look at the packaging and a quick boot up, as well as Steve's high-tech gaming setup. It's true. And you can just see basically what that we have, like, human heads and faces. <laughs> it's and true. Stuff, so that's, it's good to know. So, yeah, YouTube, check it out. We're I'll not just... Have a link in the show notes, so go do that. But, yeah, like, I, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with that, like... This became very popular because N64 is kind of having a moment right now. Um, According to a Kotaku article from uh, last year, the N64 was the best-selling retro console of the 2017 holiday season. There's been rumors of an N64 classic kind of hovering around for a little while. Uh, I'm sure we'll probably see that in 2019. I really would not be surprised. So nostalgia goes in waves, and it goes in waves of a certain quantity of years. And I think it's probably a 20-year wave um, because that's when the that's the age of when people who grew up with a thing mm-hmm. start to have the disposable income to spend money on the thing exactly um, yeah you're in your late 20s or early 30s and like you can actually start to afford like your memories a little bit so yeah exactly and so i mean that always kind of happens um you know probably 20 years ago atari games were like hot collector items and things like that and yeah. now they're just everywhere and there's like no market for it yeah and i don't know if that's quite going to happen uh with nintendo's i I think the 64 is a little stickier because for all of its flaws the n64 does have the best like local multiplayer experience like the the butts on the couch multiplayer experience your mario kart your smash brothers your golden eye like it's 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 true you know there are enough good games on that to justify and it also is to the point of um you're going to want to share it, like, if you start having kids. You exactly. might be excited to, you know, share Mario 64 with them. Which um, I would totally let my yeah. kid play that. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas it's a little tougher to be like, hey, check out Combat with me. You'll love this. And the kid's <laughs> Daddy, like, Daddy, uh, what is this? I have much better games on my phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so back to the Kickstarter. Uh, Pico set multiple tiers. Uh, you could do everything from, like, a $1 tier where they would just send you a thank you email um to eight dollars where you would receive a send one dollar to <laughs> do pico interactive dude. yeah <laughs> do you want to be as happy as pico interactive so uh, yeah uh, there's an eight dollar tier where you can get a steam code for the eventual release that they're going to do on that i think that's been delayed i don't know if okay. the steam version of this is out yet um and all the way up to 150 dollars for a collectible controller and a cartridge and like plush figurines and stuff like that so I, I sprung for the $55 tier, uh, and that gave me a copy of the game with a nice new box. They sent me two copies for some reason. It might be a mistake. I'm not giving it back. <laughs> I'm keeping them both. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that's uh, maybe it's a little bonus because this was so d- delayed for so long. Oh, it's a bonus because they knew you were a famous podcaster and you were going to hype up it. their product. That mu- I think that's it. And I so. think that's it. Is, uh, so is this game viable anymore? Do you um, know? Or was it only I found, to the Kickstarter backers? I think it's only to Kickstarter backers right now. Um, but it's going to be available on Steam pretty soon. And I've already seen a couple copies go up on eBay for like 30 40 bucks. 40 so Okay. Those, they'll be around. But like it, it's probably a good it's probably going to be a good collector's item eventually yeah we'll see um some of the stretch goals for this included an eight inch uh, plush figurines of the main characters an original soundtrack album and if the campaign had hit a two hundred fifty thousand dollar threshold they were going to release a dreamcast port of this huh. they did not get there um but yeah they they were they were planning on doing that so the game was originally expected to be shipped by september of 2018 but it got multiple delays from the factories and it pushed us back to late november uh, I was going through some of the emails that they were sending me throughout the process, and it looks like um, 
Some of the people who sprung for the plush dolls still haven't gotten them. Uh, according to the email update, the factory that produced the dolls made only about half of the quantity needed to fill the order, and the dolls were of a very poor quality and like, <laughs> fell apart in your hands. And then the factory manager had apparently just kind of taken the money and run and is not responding to their phone calls or messages anymore. Well, they are being very transparent about it, it sounds so like. So they're being very transparent, and they, they're uh, um, they're making it up to people who didn't get that, and they're, like, giving their credit back. So, okay. like, that, yeah, they're doing that. So These are the risks that we run on Kickstarter. Yeah, it's... no, it's true. It's true. So uh, we went into this a little bit in our video, which you should still check out on YouTube, but we'll talk a little bit about it here. I was a little disappointed that this didn't come across looking a little more official looking. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't know, I guess intellectually I knew it couldn't be an official game. Like they weren't working with Nintendo on this, but the cover art looks kind of shoddy. Of the box. The box. Yeah. They've got the, the box art looks kind of shoddy and there's like a, a kind of a weird, like off brand Nintendo logo. Yeah. Uh, and then like, it's a, the image is just like a blown up segment of the PlayStation cover. Yeah. But they didn't like up the resolution very well, so it's kind of fuzzy. Yeah, the, bo- uh, the box is the the least attractive part of this, and that's mm. the first thing you see when you get a ship to you is the box. But um, I think that the instruction manual and the cartridge look pretty decent. Yeah, they do. They, yeah, I think they would definitely pass for an official release. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I would say that. Yeah, it's just the the bo- and the the back of the box too. Like they have little screenshots of the games oh, that yeah. are real muddy. And which we know now is kind of <laughs> kind of accurate, looks. yeah. Uh, and like weird kind just... of typos and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, so I don't know. I was a little disappointed with that. Um, all right, let's get into the game itself a little bit. Let's talk about the story. Okay, so the story. I'll I'll sum it up because it's like a really long <laughs> segment in the manual. That's kind of like like I don't know circuitous. But uh, there's an embittered old insomniac named Nightcap. <laughs> who wants to rid the world of dreams. So he kidnaps these tiny little creatures called Winks to stop them from creating dreams. And he unleashes evil creatures called Hoodwinks to turn them all into nightmares. Then there are these two young children uh, named Rough and Tumble, a boy and a girl, and they have to travel into the world of dreams to free all the Winks and save dreams. And at the end of each level, you're going to fight Threadbear, which is Nightcap's like teddy bear minion. And that's about it. I mean, I... I don't think they ever explained why Rough and Tumble are able to go into the world of dreams. Why they are the dream warriors. The yeah. mo- I mean, it's the cutscene at the beginning. The mom puts them to sleep and says, well, if they wonder what happens if the Winks get captured. And she says, well, you'd have to rescue them then. And so they just have taken it upon themselves, I guess. They're vigilantes in the dream warrior world. Which, I mean, yeah, I think this has a lot of influences. I would say charitably, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors is one of them. I think they could have leaned into that a little more. I wanted to see a blade-gloved pedophile chasing them through some of these scenes. Um, but also, like, there's a big influence on Little Nemo in Dreamland, which was uh, the Japanese animated film that was turned into the classic NES game, mm-hmm. uh, which is still really fun if you ever get a chance to play that. And... Uh, did you see the French film City of Lost Children? Yes. Yeah, there's Janae and Caro, a really great, like, kind of a fantasy dystopian movie. And that's about, like, an old man who's trying to steal dreams from children. I think that <clears> these <throat> are these are generous comparisons mm-hmm. in the sense that those are all sort of highly creative things. And, this um, one's kind of derivative, but yeah. it's... I would just say that's where they're drawing influence, at least. Like, at least some, I mean, in some ways. yes, probably in terms of story, and but really the aesthetic of this game and the gameplay is pretty much straight up 
we want Banjo Kazooie for PlayStation. It's, it's a we straight want low up budget like, Banjo. It's like a straight up rare platformer. Yeah. Like even we were trying to pinpoint what these characters look like and what this animation style looks like. Uh, I've heard Nicole suggested Playmobil, which I think is good for the hair. Yep. I think it's Ardman. I think it's Ardman Films, the claymation studio that did uh, the Wallace and Gromit and all that, which would help tie it into Rare a little bit because they're trying to be ultra British and like quirky in that kind of yeah. way. So I think that's what they're kind of going for. I will say, I mean, the character models don't look bad. Like I, I don't, I don't mind this art style. No. Um, I wish I could see it a little better. Yeah, this is sort of the recurring problem with the graphics is um, for being sort of a. You know, it wants to look like a bright, childish, fun game. Yeah. Um, it is really dark and muddy. And it, this game makes a mistake of the first sort of... So you wake up in the middle of the night and you're in your wake house. Up. Wake up! <laughs> and you meet Wakey Wakey, the, the, the creepy-looking clock whose yeah. hands are sort of a mustache that goes up in his smile. Hello, children. I'm Wakey Wakey, the handful alarm clock, and I will tell you what to do. And, and it should be noted that Wakey Wakey is not part of the dream world. He is part of their day-to-day life. Yeah, exactly. He lives in the house with them. They go into the dream world. Like, I don't know if their dad is like some kind of dream inventor or something. Didn't they mention something how her, their father always tells stories? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's something like that. Maybe it'll all tie in later. I don't. Yeah, this game kind of that. needs a flow chart to describe the design mm-hmm. because, like, the house is sort of an initial hub world, mm-hmm. and then you, the only level that's available at the start is the haunted house. The haunted sort of mansion level. Which you pointed out is kind of a weird choice for an opening level. Yeah, I feel like these games want to start with, like, your Mumbo's Mountain, which is, uh, or your Bob-omb Battlefield, which is just sort of open, bright, and friendly, yeah. Yeah. Whereas the dark, sort of creepy mansion is not, that comes later. Yeah. Um, And it leads to a lot of sort of dark, muddy graphics. Um, And anyway, once you get in there... Um, there's sort of, that's sort of another hub world where you kind of run around in that level and it has three different sections like the right. creepy mansion in there or the woods or the graveyard. Mm. And then in those areas you collect winks. Yes. And dream keys and, and Z's. And cogs. And cog. This game, you know, yeah. again, in the scope of ripoffs, it's very much like suffers from the we're going to take, make you collect way too much stuff. Yeah. I feel like the, very the, much the, so. The biggest evidence of this game, you know, how derivative it is, is that a lot of the bad parts of Banjo-Kazooie are carried over, and it was like, there was so little creativity put in here that they're like, oh, what do they do? Uh, they give you like 12 things to collect. Okay, we're going to put all those things in, and it's like, that's not that's not a good part of Banjo-Kazooie. Hey boss, what about the refined gameplay and tight controls? Do we need those? No, no, we just got to get the core elements of making you run and collect gold shiny junk. Okay, okay, can I make them vomit the moon? Yes, you can do that. Also, make sure you put a cutscene whenever they get a game over, because that's everyone's favorite part. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a cutscene of the of the villain talking directly to the camera, just like in Banjo. Yeah, how, how you failed. You are a failure. I don't know. I, re- I forget his voice already. I think it's. I assume it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah, your gameplay is your kind of standard hop and bop platformer. There's a few little twists here because at certain times. You can turn yourself into a more powerful version of yourself, which, again, is Banjo-Kazooie. You can turn yourself into something to help you solve little segments. Uh, we encountered, what is it, the fairy? The fairy. And the caveman. Yep. In addition to that, there's also a, a robot, a ninja, and a jester. But none of these things really make the game play much different. You sort of get a slightly upgraded attack, and you're able to step on switches that have 
the character on them. That's all it is. It's really, it's just all about, like, certain switches that you can't hit unless you're in this alien form. And I think the caveman could, like, break through the ground in certain places where, right, like, Rough heavy, and Tumble couldn't. a heavy part. It's, it's yeah. sort of the same mechanic as Donkey Kong 64 of, like, just come back here with the right character. Yeah. It's not really a strategy to it. Not really, not really. Um, yeah, these worlds are very... I mean, they're 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 large and they're kind of circuitous, and uh, I didn't always. The game doesn't do a very good job of letting you know what you're supposed to be doing. It the aesthetic is annoying, or like the layout is annoying because there's lots of uh, teleport sort mm. of hubs that you go in, and it will just teleport you to a new area, and it's very linear, but there's no map, and no. so you never really get a good idea of what the layout of the level is, since most of your time is just going from one teleporter to the next. Right. Yeah, and those teleports seem random. Like it's just you walk into a bubble and you take you're you're somewhere else. Like they, and they're usually it's places you can access otherwise. Like you can you can like I don't know. I kept getting zapped to this one like high platform, but you can get up there like other it's ways. Sort of just like a shortcut back from the main central area. Kinda. So you wander through each mansion and uh, need to collect a certain number of cogs to get through a certain door. Like you need ten cogs to get through a ten cog door. So really you need every cog. If yes, you so there seems pre- to be the exact number of cogs in the yeah. level as the door needs to open. And then you find winks, which they look like what do they look like? They're kind of like bats without yeah. limbs? Or like mice without a body? Mice without a body. I like I like that. They're, they're weird looking. They're very rodent-like and kind of disembodied, like ethereal things. But like they have faces. They're they're very weird looking. Yeah, the design is not is not cute, fun. But not really. No, yeah. I wish that they looked sort of more floaty and joyful as opposed to yeah, they just kind of look like rats. Right. You know, and I get the the nightmare dreamscape aesthetic. You know, it's all supposed to be kind of dark and, and like. A little bit of a, a, a kind of air of Tim Burton-y uh, uh, quirkiness to it, but I think most of the time it just comes off as being muddy. Like, I couldn't really see what we were doing. Uh, ooh, big, especially the... bad when you went underwater. Ooh, um, underwater. There was a very brief swimming area, and it's just the screen. You can barely see your character you cannot, under the water. Yeah, and so. it's it's a very confusing mechanic this is one of the worst swimming mechanics i've ever seen like and swimming sections are already everybody's least favorite sections of any platforming game and there is an underwater world isn't apparently there? there's an underwater and so world. we on it we didn't get past the haunted haunted level with the first world because there's a decent amount of time and gameplay it's per really long per yeah. world um but i imagine that, that underwater level is a real slog yeah it's uh, yeah i can't even imagine so the big addition to the N64 version here is co-op gameplay. Woo! Which uh, we were excited about. We were very excited about. This is one of the few games that has, like, true two-player co-op platforming. Like, that's kind of... That doesn't really exist in any other game. Like, I think we played a Bomberman game recently that lets you do that, kind of. Oh, the, yeah, uh, the helper. The little Pikachu The second thing. attack. Oh, we already forgot his name. Yeah. Um, what was it? Pooty? Yeah, his Poppy. name was Pooty. His name is Pooty. Pooty Tang. Um, so, That's yeah. what that movie was about, right? It was. It was. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I didn't see it. And I'm not going to now because Louis C.K. directed that. Oh, yeah, so you were. You, it was on your list. It was, it was at the on top of my, my list. list, and you're like, no more Pooty well, Tang. It wasn't my list. It was Criterion's oh, list. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to go through all of those, but, you know, I can't. It was, heaven, no it was Heaven's Gate, Pooty Tang. I mean, and, they put Armageddon and The Rock on Criterion. I don't true. see why Pootie Tang would be that much more of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> there are some people I know actually like those movies. So, I don't know. 
Uh, anyway, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay, well, let's talk about the co-op. Yeah, <laughs> co-op. Co-op here uh, is garbage. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the final that's the tally takeaway. on that. We started the game in co-op mode because that's what we were excited about, mm-hmm. and uh, it the, immediately I was like, oh no, oh no, oh, oh no. no, because the screen is reduced with letterboxing and split screen. So basically, right off the bat, you've quartered your screen. Yeah, you, you yeah, it's about a third of the width. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that center with a third black on top and a third black on bottom, and then it's halved for the split screen. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and. It, it's already a dark game. It's already kind of like blurry in places. And when you're playing as two characters, using this same tiny little space and trying to, and you're allowed to go do things separately from each other, mm-hmm. which is cool. Like you don't need to stay like joined at the hip the whole time. Yeah, you're essentially just two people playing the game simultaneously. It is, yeah. Which would be an efficient way of approaching it if you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, I'm going to go to the uh, the cemetery world. You go to the mansion. We'll gather up stuff and yeah. Well, you do have. To go, I think you probably have to go into the same oh, you do? worlds okay. together. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, it, it's so small and so muddy, and it was very confusing. Like we had to turn it off pretty quickly. Like, and that's a bummer. That's a big bummer. That would be... I think that's the one thing that the N sixty four version of this game really has an edge over, and uh, it they just kind of it, it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, this game is by no means fantastic, but if it had that dual that co op. Play, gameplay that was like functional yeah um it would definitely be a cool selling point for this game and make it a neat curio um but just that's essentially a non-feature yeah just because it's so hard to see oh yeah yeah it's it's a problem uh so yeah we immediately turned that off we, we unfortunately saved our copy with the co-op mode and then forgot to save otherwise so we actually made it through the mansion we unlocked all the doors we got all the winks we finished the mansion and then we died, like, in the witchy woods or whatever and uh, lost all the progress so far. Um, Wait, that's you, retro you, gaming at its finest, right? That's retro well, gaming what's right your, I, I, My biggest memory of a uh, losing save game, I think I had made it through the whole ice um, area of Secret of Mana. Oh, okay. Um, it sort of goes to a desert world and then an ice world. And I had it, that was at least, I believe, three hours or four hours. And then I realized I had forgotten to save. I, I um, did... Uh, earthbound okay all the way to the final boss i was like at the save point right before the final boss and then i jostled my cartridge and lost my entire save game lost all of it same thing happened with my mario rpg Oof. so both of those games i never got to actually beat until like last year when i downloaded them from the virtual console which is gonna save yeah, uh, that's that's rough other than that like I, I remember when i first got my playstation 2 uh i had one game and that was silent hill 2 mm-hmm. and no memory cards <laughs> so i played the beginning of that uh game like multiple times and I was afraid to like leave my PlayStation on, you know, the which disc is, had to keep the spinning. disc had to keep yeah. spinning, and it would actually corrode. It would actually do some damage to it. So I had to do that for about two, three weeks until I saved up enough money to buy myself a new memory card. <laughs> oh man! So I've seen the beginning of Silent Hill two many times, and the end very rarely. It took me a long when I first got an N sixty four. I didn't even know that memory cards were a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, because you know, you would have Super Mario sixty four, and that just has a battery in it to save your game. Yeah. Um, and so I rented. Shadowgate from uh, 
you know, the local rental store, and it's like, insert memory card. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, how do you save this game? Does it, does it let you, does Shadowgate let you play without a memory card? Yeah, oh, okay. but it just, I couldn't figure out how to save it. It kept telling me to insert a memory card, and I had no idea what it was talking about. And I haven't played that version on N64, but I played Shadowgate on NES and the, the PC re-release that came out a couple years ago. And those are games you want to save a lot. Yes. Because you will make mistakes. Well, we'll get to die. play it soon. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited, yeah. Uh, well, maybe I shouldn't be. I don't know, but I'm mildly excited about that. So yeah, uh, tons of collectibles in this one. All right, so we we kind of we didn't want to look at the manual. We kind of want to kind of figure out what they were. Z's are your health. Yep, it's kind of like Sonic. Is you get hit and you drop Z's and mm-hmm. you can grab them real quick. And if you don't grab them, they'll disappear again. Yeah. Uh, moons are your projectiles. Which this is a creepy mechanic. Okay, because you're not throwing things. You are screaming them. They shoot uh, out of your mouth. They shoot out of your mouth. I don't know why you're screaming a moon at something, but uh, yeah, with the little boy, it sounds like a gut wrenching scream. With the little girl, it sounds like she's vomiting. It's and extra. Then, it's very disturbing with the caveman who, mm-hmm. like, a torrent of bones and sort of green gook come out of his mouth. You are just straight up booger manning that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you are. <laughs> you are vomiting. He actually even looked a little bit like booger That's man. True. Where's Boogerman 64? That's I don't know. Clay Fighter. That's right. He's in Clay Fighter. Never mind. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we There were Dream Keys, uh, which you find through. You know, there's going to be a Kickstarter for a new Boogerman game, like probably in a we, year. We got the Shaq Fu one. I, I've been saying wanted. if there was a Shaq Fu one, like the Boogerman is inevitable. There was a new Bubsy game, right? Like, yeah. There's someone yeah. just plumbing the depths. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, what else was there? Yeah, there's, the, so the Dream, dream keys, keys you need. You you need to unlock those to fight the boss. So each each mm-hmm. little sub world inside the haunted scary world is going to have four dream keys, and they're very boringly placed. Like in the cemetery, four of the keys were just behind trees. Yeah, it's- yeah. You didn't have to fight anything. They were just literally behind random trees. Uh, so yeah, you get you get all those. You go back to the hub world, and like it'll put the dream keys on a clock, and then you fight the boss, which is a teddy bear. Um, and then there were these RT tokens that we didn't know what they were because they weren't in the mansion, mm. but they were in the other two levels. And then we, we eventually figured out 10 of them gives you an extra life. So the RT stands for rough and tumble, not retweet. But uh, you can go on uh, Twitter at, at Ultra64Podcast and retweet me frequently. There are like four or five people on Twitter that like retweet us like without fail every time. And they are awesome. I love you guys. Thank you for doing that. Uh, that's Be like uh, those people. Yeah, Robert, Troy, Vincent, Matt, J, all you guys. You guys are great. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know what else to say about this. Really, I mean, it looked pretty good. Well, like so I here's the, here's the question about this game. Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that this game, had it been released, would have been more notable then or now? It's more notable, way now, more notable right? now. Way more notable now because this, I th- I think if this had been released on N sixty four. We would be doing the same thing we did with Starshot and asking people to tell us what the hell this game is, because I, I think we would have never. I, I don't. I think it would have been lost in the shuffle completely. Yeah. Um, and especially like when oh god, when was the original released again? It was like ninety nine. Ninety nine. Right? This was November ninety ninety nine. This is right after uh, October thirty first nineteen ninety nine when we had eighteen new Nintendo sixty four games released. You know, yeah. and there was a million other things. This is the. This is at the height of the N64's popularity. 
I just think this would have gotten completely lost in the shuffle. And, it, you know, it's competing with so many games that do it better on the system. Um, yeah. Whereas at least it has a little more of identity on PlayStation. It's not even a good game on PlayStation. No, um, no. Uh, I, I think this one has some personality that I appreciate. Um, it's not the worst one we've played. It's not the worst platform we've played no, yet. No, definitely not. Uh, and it also suffers a little bit coming a week after Super Mario Brothers 64, which is like the pinnacle of this type of game to this one, which is just medium in every respect, I think. It's I just, think medium is generous. Medium is generous, but like I'm willing to go as high as medium. It's sort of odious in the way it's like a, a bad game, but not quite bad enough to make you want to stop playing. Right. But just bad enough to never be very interesting. Yeah, yeah. You were comparing it kind of to the Toy Story game uh, mm-hmm. that we played earlier. Like, that game is much better. That game's much, much better, but it has a similar kind of feel of like, all right, this if this were just a little worse, uh, I would stop playing it a while yeah. ago. But but like Toy Story is way better. Um, let's move on to our rankings, and let's keep in mind that when we're doing these rankings, we're going to put a big asterisk on this one because this wasn't like an official, official release. Yeah, so it's we're, more we're, just kind of an interesting novelty. We're curious where about. it goes in terms of quality, but you don't have to feel like it's like deserves a place in the n64 canon right yeah if you're if you're a real stickler about that which we should be because yeah. we're doing the show but we're not um but as the official keepers of the list yeah the we have to list. um why don't you go ahead and yeah i will go first um i'll put this under num. i'm gonna put this at number 44 mm. which is right under mario party this is probably thinking after we just talked about it too generous of a list placement um but you know it's it plays okay. It sort of meets that baseline platformer run around and collect stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty simple. Like, uh, there's not really f- too many frustrating areas where you're not quite sure how to progress, at least in this first area. And yeah. there was at least a little race with the witch, which was kind of neat. That was cool. Yeah, there's a little go-kart race kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, or you're on your uh, broom, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's weird. I feel like I feel like I liked the game slightly more than you, but I'm ranking it lower. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think you are more objectively correct. So. But like, I'm gonna say it's uh, it's gonna be my new number sixty four uh, oh. below Castlevania and above Glover. I think I would probably rather play this than Glover, just because yeah. Glover had major major frustration that this one this one doesn't have frustration. This one I just have a hard time caring about it at all. Let me see the list again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a look. I feel like I blew it on this one already. I'm already <laughs> having regrets. I mean, um, it, the the episode hasn't gone out yet. You can you can modify this if you need to. Okay, but uh, um, yeah. So in the meantime, while he's talking about that, you can reach us at ultra sixty four podcast at gmail dot com. Find us on Twitter at ultra sixty four podcast. We are also on YouTube now. Uh, just that's the same name for everything. Just find our channel. We've got one video on there. If we get some good feedback from you guys, we'll keep doing videos. You know, uh, it was it was fun for us to do. And a big big shout out to Michaela Nicholson for uh, shooting and editing the video for the Forty Wings unboxing. She did an awesome job. So thank you for that, Michaela. No, you're right, Steve. Yeah. I'm putting in number fifty eight. Fifty eight. Yeah. 58 sorry. Now. Sorry. You're you're. This is not a game that I want to give the illusion that I was excited about. Okay. Fair so enough. So I apologize to our listeners who might have fallen under that trap and went and bought a copy on eBay in the last three minutes in which I was retooling <laughs> my ranking from number forty four to number fifty eight. So for the record, for people keeping track, this puts it between Destruction Derby sixty four above and Cruising Exotica below. Uh, I think that's a good enough place for it. Uh, we have one letter. Let me let me draw up that letter, and we will... It's from Pico Interactive. That. Dear Steve <laughs> Gunley, please send back your extra copy we sent you by mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad. 
Uh, all right, this is from Benjamin Curley. Mm, good name. Hey, guys. Hey, Ben. Hey, Benjamin. Congratulations on making it to 100 games and 64 episodes. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for all the work that goes into making sure we get a new episode every week and for putting in the time to play a video game first. Uh, I love the 100 Games Awards show Spectacular, and I'm really glad Ogre Battle received some recognition on there. Ogre Battle's great. Uh, I love the fun and creativity you guys brought to finding the diamonds in the rough in some of the games for the system that took big swings and found ways to see the effort that went into some of the bigger missteps. Coming up in about a week, depending on your release schedule and ours, my podcast, Draft the Universe, will be drafting our favorite N64 games, and it's going to be really hard not to make a bunch of Mace the Dark Age jokes (laughs) that will confuse and confound my co-hosts. Thank you for the hours of fun. I always look forward to seeing a new app pop up on my podcatcher, and I can't wait to see what great and terrible games we get in the next 100. Keep up the good work, the questionable impressions, and the the outside-the-box fun. See, I feel like if you're going to drop a shadow uh, uh, plug of your own podcast, that is the way to do it. That's definitely the way. Hey, you guys are great. Also. Be the nicest possible human being and then also uh, plug your podcast. So what do you think? Check out Draft the Universe. What do you think that podcast is about? I've... I am curious to find out. I'm so going to check it out. Is myself. it based on sort of the Magic the Gathering or like fantasy football idea of drafting, where you like pick what you get first, and then the person next to you picks what they get, and then you all battle at the end? I think it's based on the idea of drafting, like when you drive real close to another car and get a little speed boost off of that. So that's what the planets do, right? That's plan. That's mm. planetary drift. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah. Fast and Furious planetary drift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's gonna, that's going to be. Man, we gotta get back to Pangea. Pan- yeah, yeah. Fast and Furious Pangea Drift. That's Continental Tectonic. Drift. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, Tectonic dang Drift. It. Damn it. Okay. Anyway, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Um, so tune in next week. Uh, we have got a triple feature next Saturday. 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 <laughs> we have a triple feature of racing games that all center around mud and trucks and destruction. So it is uh, Monster Truck Madness 64, it is Off-Road Challenge, and it is Destruction Derby 64. And uh, spoiler alert, we've already recorded this episode. They're all going to the top of the list. All the best. And uh, we Move we, over, Mario. We got some discussion questions from our listeners that we intersperse uh, discussion of the uh, games with because racing games are boring. But talking about things that aren't racing games is fun. So we will tell you that. there is a new game on one end of the list. Yes, That's yes. Your... One, on one end. We Fig- won't tell you which end. Figure out which end. But, uh, yeah, there is a new game on that list. So uh, tune in to that next week. Thank you so much. Uh, honk shoe, honk yeah, shoe. Yeah, get, get a good night's sleep, everyone. We wish you no nightmares. Snooze.